0: Thank you for joining us for IAB There and now your host, Brad Behrens. Over to you, Brad.
1: Hi everybody, Uh, my name is Brad Behrens. I am the editor-in-chief here at the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we attempt to connect and inform the digital media industry. Uh, on today's show, audio and brand messaging in a time of crisis. We are continuing an audio theme that started yesterday when we uh, had uh, Pandora's Priscilla Valls on talking with Zoe Soon. Uh, today, uh, in times of planetary crisis like we are experiencing right now, people's behavior changes. Uh, And their attention changes and people's ability uh, to uh, brand and brands and advertisers ability to get people's attention uh, also changes. So we're lucky today to have Gina Garubo. She is the National Public Media CEO and President and Tom Webster, Senior Vice President of Edison Research talking with us about the the world of audio, uh, how consumer audience behavior is changing and what uh, advertisers can do about it. We're going to ask uh, the team to bring them onto the stream right now. While we are doing so, let me talk with you about how to ask questions. If you have questions, please post them on Twitter. Uh, Please use the hashtag uh, IABthere, all caps, one word. Uh, Our team is monitoring the Twitter feed and uh, will uh, post questions to us in midstream. Uh, Gina Garubo, Tom Webster, welcome to IABthere.
2: Thanks, Brad.
1: Thanks, Brad. So thank, thank you so much you. uh for, for joining us. So so let's start, Gina. Just talk with you're the this the, the, the National Public Media CEO and president. If you can explain what you do, what is your job to folks yeah. so they
2: understand? I head up National Public Media. We're the sponsorship subsidiary for NPR. And we also have um, representation for NPR and PBS member stations.
1: And It's worth digging in, given that this is the Interactive Advertising Bureau, that the way that advertisers work with National Public Radio and PBS is a little different than they would work with other publications. So I think it's relatively straightforward, but can you please walk us through that too?
2: Sure. We produce sponsor messages to fit in the style and tone of NPR's fact-based content. And NPR has 123 million listeners a month across radio, podcasting, smart speakers, apps online. And they appreciate the fact that the sponsor messages share and don't sell. And we see a much greater response rate because of this, including the custom audio we now produce for brands.
1: The four brands that aren't currently considering NPR, if you can have them take away, we'll ask this again at the end, but if you can have them take away one idea, what would that idea be?
2: I think um, the trust and the high quality brand safe environment that NPR has always offered is more important than ever for brands. We have our news programming and we have our entertainment programming and there's something for everybody. But also I do wanna comment that this is an upscale, educated, influential audience and they are light consumers of commercial media.
1: Okay, well, and Tom uh, is about to do some, uh, share some research and data with us. So Gina, if you can frame this up, then we're gonna dig into the slides. And uh, this is an opportunity for our audience to really get a sense of what's happening out there. Um, certainly, this is the biggest disruption in uh, over a century to our lives, to our economies, to uh, the very fabric of our days. So please, let take it away, to Gene. if you can explain, and then Tom, take it away and lead us through.
2: Sure. Well, you know, audio has had an amazing evolution over the past decade. There's been an explosion of content, new distribution platforms. And technology has allowed for personalization and mobility that has created a very strong emotional connection to audio. And we are seeing a change in consumer behavior as, as a result of the corona people really seeking out audio content to explain People are listening to an average of four hours of audio a day, with the most being AM/FM radio. So I wanted Tom to come share with the audience what the state of audio looks like right now, and then we'll dive into some of the changes we're seeing because of COVID-19. Okay,
0: hey, let's go. Super. Uh, thanks, Gina. So, uh, one is to uh, was is one of the chief presenters of the Infinite Dial, which is the study that we conduct every year in partnership with Triton Digital. And the Infinite Dial really has tracked audio in all its forms since 1998. uh, And I've been involved with it since 2004. So we have this long history of tracking the way that audio has changed and the way that audio is continuing to change. And really two of the biggest changes, if you go to the next slide, two of the biggest changes that we have seen over the history that we've been tracking audio are first of all, the rise of podcasts and the rise of podcast listening as you can see here Uh, well over a third of Americans, 12 plus, say that they've listened to a podcast in the last month. And what that has done is that sort of tuned people a little bit more to spoken word audio and spoken word media in general than perhaps they were in the past. If you go to the next slide, the other thing that has really changed over the past five years is the dramatic increase in the adoption of smart speakers, things like the Amazon Alexa series of products, Google Home, et cetera. Uh, This is a category in terms of penetration that has quadrupled since 2017 in terms of the penetration uh, in the US market, but even more significant than the 27% of Americans 12 plus who say they own one of these. If you go to the next slide, if you own one of these devices, chances are you own more than one of these devices. And now the average number of smart speakers in the household is 2.2. And the effect of that is it's putting a radio or some kind of audio entertainment device Uh, into rooms of the house where perhaps they did not exist before. The kitchen, the bathroom, et cetera. If you go to the next slide, what all of that does is it's it's changed what we call share of ear. We do a a large quarterly study at Edison called share of ear. It's the only single source measure of all forms of audio online and offline. Uh, And on the next slide, what you're going to see are percentages, not of people, but percentages of the amount of time that we spend listening to each of these sources of audio. As Gina mentioned, Americans listen to about four hours of audio per day. And this is how it's portioned out. You can see AM FM radio continues to have the plurality of it at 44%. Now over the uh, six years that we have been running share of year, that has decreased, but it's not plummeted, right? It started at about 52%, today it's 44%. Some of the other significant shifts that we've seen since we started tracking these things in 2014 Podcasting has more than doubled. Uh, at a, it, it's increased its share of ear by 122 percent actually since 2014. Streaming, off of audio relatively
1: increased... off of a relatively low base, however. But let's let's let, yeah. let me just dig in for a second because I, I think that you're probably well well versed to to answer this. Which is, we're I think we're seeing the the categories of streaming and podcasting sort of overlap, merge, and expand at the same time. That that we're seeing growth in both but that as uh, you know, as uh, Spotify, for example, has started putting a lot of podcasts, including NPRs, into its, its streaming uh, product, what are you seeing there?
0: Yeah, we're absolutely seeing uh, a crossing of the streams, uh, as they would say on Ghostbusters. Uh, and there's more and more podcast content being consumed on the streaming platforms. Uh, and in fact, last year, when we tracked the growth of podcasting in the Infinite Dial, one of the clear drivers for uh, increased adoption on the young end was in fact uh, Spotify because Spotify is introducing podcasts to a whole new audience and, a, and in many cases, a younger audience uh, for podcasting. So there's absolutely cross-pollinization with the streaming platforms and YouTube. I mean, the, the number one podcast in America uh, is the Joe Rogan Show and a big part of that is, are in fact his YouTube views combined with the downloads that he gets as a podcast. So I interrupted you, please dig in and I apologize. Well, I'll just, I'll just go to the next slide really quickly because what's interesting about if you focus in and we take, a, we take music out of the equation and we just look at spoken word audio, all of spoken word audio, the time that we spend listening to it, 60% of it is AM FM radio, uh, but 15% of it is podcasts. And again, that's a category that uh, functionally on this graph really barely existed. Uh, five or six years ago. But now it's a, a, at a quarter of AMFM's share in terms of spoken word. So that is a, a fairly significant change. Uh, and we dug into that a little bit in partnership with NPR. If you go to the next slide, we produced a report at the end of last year called the spoken word audio report, where we looked at the impact of all of these changes, uh, smart speakers and podcasting and, and all of the ways that audio has changed for us over the past really just five years. Uh, and if you go to the next slide, what we discovered was that the share of uh, the ratio, basically of music to spoken word has changed pretty significantly in five years period of time. And this is not a ratio that I would have necessarily expected to change. It's sort of been 80, 20 for a long time. We do listen to mostly music, but in just uh, five short years, it's now 76 to 24. Uh, And if you go to my last slide here, what that essentially means is that spoken words share relative to music has grown by 20% in just five years. And, and I think one of the things that we're all going to learn from this, if we haven't learned it already, is that uh, the consumer behavior can change very, very quickly. And the, the current situation with coronavirus has changed it significantly. And some of those changes are gonna stick uh, as rapid as they have been. We had
1: Rashad Tabakawala on uh, earlier this week and what he was uh, observing was that it takes around 90 days to change a habit, to either create one or a, a change or abolish one. And so the reset that we're seeing with all sorts of behavior when we're all gonna be, you know, inside for a few months uh, is a really interesting opportunity to bake in new behaviors. Let me press you on one thing, Tom, the, that there, there's, there are different qualities of attention. And so I think that we see with music, this is to NPR's advantage, I believe, that you know, with music is in the background. Uh, people are listening to it all the time but the extent of lean forward truly engaged attention we can't necessarily guarantee do you feel that spoken word in addition to the changing ratios also has a changing uh, kind of density of
0: attention I, I think there's no question about that Brad that it's very much uh, spoken word audio is very much a lean forward medium compared to listening to music which you know for some of us music listening might be active and but for for many of us it's a uh, it's a very passive form of consumption. Uh, I think actually there is growth in spoken word, frankly, in more sort of lean back spoken audio as well. I mean, I, I think people listen to spoken audio for a variety of reasons, not just to be informed and educated, but, but also to be entertained. So I, I do think there's room for leaning forward and backwards in front of my green screen here. Uh, but, but you're right that it's absolutely, uh, I think, commands attention in a way that uh, music doesn't necessarily.
1: And outside of radio, I also will point out that we've seen some significant and interesting growth in audio books as well. And uh, Amazon is doing a lot of interesting new forms of uh, original to audio content, but we have some more slides. Gina, I think you're taking the reins now. So let's, let's go back to the visuals and, uh, and have her talk, talk us through the next few.
2: Sure, as Tom mentioned, the growth in smart speakers has been significant with around 60 million people that own at least one device. And in the last few weeks, NPR has seen a 17% increase in our smart speaker audience, which is significant. Yeah, Um, it's interesting. There's been a dramatic increase in NPR's audience across all digital platforms. And the total live streaming of our radio platform in terms of weekly cume up 45%. So I think you you wanted to ask me about radio listening in cars Brad.
1: Yep, that's coming up, but you can anticipate please.
2: Yeah, so we won't know for 2 weeks what the impact is because that's when Nielsen will come out with their numbers from the top 50 markets, but uh we believe we know people are commuting less in cars and that probably has a lot to do with the increased in radio streams via smart speakers on NPR.org and other streaming platforms.
1: Well, and I also think it's worth saying that sometimes the category of smart speakers uh, 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 covers the reality that what we're really talking about is hands-free voice driven consumption of all kinds of things because we have uh, a high degree of penetration for smart speakers but a much higher degree of penetration for smartphones and uh, you know npr1 is uh, is your app which uh, speaking personally i'm using all the time uh, okay. and uh, uh, You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, But, but so yeah, smart speakers are important, but really I think that they're, it's a subset of a much broader phenomenon. Um, So the, let's move in however to what is changing uh, under the, during the coronavirus crisis, please. Like what's the, we see less cars, but more, more phones, uh, more NPR, org. what else are we seeing?
2: Well, I think if we go to the next slide, Nielsen came out with some interesting insights from their March study. Um, you know, really emphasizing how audio is comforting, make having people feel more connected to their community less alone. There's significant trust for radio to deliver timely and accurate information. And younger listeners are seeking out uh, their favorite radio stations and personalities at this time.
1: Okay. Um, Let's see. What else then? Um, Just to link back uh, to something that uh, Rashad Tabakala was saying, which is that just just calling people. uh, I'm curious. This is not a question that I had in my head before we started, but uh, I have a hypothesis, which is that we're all spending so much time looking at each other now with uh, you know our days filled with video conferences that in some ways to be able to just take a walk and listen to something um, might be quite a relief to people uh, and that and yeah, and so just you either either from the data perspective or personally, do you have anything to say about that?
2: Well, NPR has definitely seen in terms of, Across all of our platforms, a gravitation to our news programming. We launched a a coronavirus daily podcast, and All Things Considered uh, has launched a, a Conversation of the Nation program every night featuring Ari Shapiro, where he takes listeners' questions, brings in experts, and asks them. So we're definitely seeing an increase in listenership to the information program. But one of the changes I was going to tell you, things we're seeing at this time, our sponsors are either gravitating to wanting to be next to COVID or wanting to be as far away as possible from it. Uh, I think listeners really need a relief from the COVID news and, you know, Fortunately, we and others have many places for them to go. uh,
1: I'm I'm speaking to you from Oregon uh, right now, which is where I live, and uh, Ari Shapiro. uh, Oregon is proud to have him be uh, from the hood, so
0: it's
1: always good to hear his name. Uh, So one of the things we've been talking about uh, in IAB there and throughout our endeavor at the Interactive Advertising Bureau is... Uh, an op-ed that our president, David Cohen, had a couple of weeks back and an ongoing campaign, which is that during a planetary health crisis, we are begging uh, our friends, our advertiser friends to unblock the news. Uh, And I think that NPR is possibly less or differently affected by that, given the sponsorship model. But just I'd love to have you talk about what you're seeing in terms of your consumer's comfort level with sponsorship message and advertising around the news. The classic example is no airline wants to advertise around a story about a plane crash, which is understandable, but perhaps overly precious at this particular moment. So what are you guys seeing in terms of at PR and at Edison um, about the uh, audience's sensibilities and sensitivity towards, um, uh, towards this kind of propinquity issue?
2: Tom, I think you have had some stats from Ipsos and Kantar.
0: Yeah, well, there's uh, Ipsos has been doing a lot of work on uh, consumer attitudes towards brands during, uh, especially during the coronavirus crisis. And I think if you're a brand who wants to to sit this one out, uh, I think that would be a mistake. Sixty four percent of the consumers that they interviewed, uh, they they expect the companies to that they're hearing from to acknowledge that yes, there's a crisis going on. So. You know, the majority of consumers don't want brands to kind of stick their head in the sand. Um, and 77% of the consumers that they interviewed want to hear from brands that want to help them. Uh, and I think uh, helpfulness and trustworthiness uh, are, are really the two most important traits right now that I think a brand can have. And know that uh, consumers agree that now more than ever, they want to know where brands stand. Uh, And 61% in that recent Ipsos uh, study agreed with that. They want to know where a brand stands. And, you know, I think we all went through a week of uh, grieving, right? And if you, I think it's very akin to the grieving process. We all went through a week, maybe longer of that. Uh, I'm talking to you from Boston where it's sort of, I think we're sort of in the new normal at this point. It's been Mm -hmm. five weeks of this and we're starting to settle into things and settle into our habits. And I really feel like uh, we have, there's the opportunity to actually hear brands more uh, now than ever, because there's so much less noise in our lives from us sort of being hunkered down at home.
1: I also will point out that, you know, one of the things we're seeing is that uh, many brands and agencies uh, can't create new creative uh, during this crisis uh, because people are working from home, but it's easier to do so with audio. We're hearing that again and again, that, uh, you know, yeah, somebody with a microphone in a quiet room can get a lot done. So that's another plug for uh, audio. So Gina, what is happening at NPR? We, we heard what's happening generally. Give us, give us the lowdown on uh, what NPR is seeing in terms of changing usage, growth, different brand kind of messaging. Like, What's the story out there?
2: Sure. So many brands have recognized that NPR is a great platform for corporate social responsibility, and branding messages. And 81% of our listeners say they appreciate when NPR sponsors use their messages to tell uh, how they're doing good in the world. And the majority of our audience wants to know what brands stand for. We have a number of brands on air right now um, with, I would say, somewhat comforting messages that they care about Americans and bringing them the products and services that they need at this time. Um, so it's it's fascinating. I believe, you know, because of NPR's uncluttered environment, because people are leaning in, there is almost a seamless messaging of the brands and what they're saying. And when they do hear these corporations who they know, say we are here for you we're here for our employees here are some of the steps we're taking um, from grocery stores like uh, stop and shop to big corporations you know telecommunications is a very important uh, entity in people's lives right now and so the telecommunication telecommunications brands we have be it for video conferencing or streaming entertainment, which we're all probably doing a lot more of these days. This is a lifesaver right now.
1: And so um, you've got some podcast listening results. And I think those are a little bit, uh, there's sort of more color and variety there. Can you, can you talk with us about that?
0: Well, one thing that we do at Edison, uh, we do a quarterly study called the Podcast Consumer Tracker. Uh, And in that, we're actually examining the reach of the various podcast networks and and the reach of uh, the largest shows. And the reach of podcasting has not month to month, January to February to March. I just looked at this data. uh, The reach has actually been fairly stable. You know, week to week, there's a little noise there, but month to month, the reach is fairly stable. But some categories are doing well and and some categories are are seeing declines in reach. Uh, The most significant increase in reach that we saw over the past three months in the podcast consumer tracker was for the news category, uh, which has gone from reaching 31% of weekly podcast consumers in January to 39% of weekly podcast consumers in March, uh, which is the most significant increase that we, that we registered over those three months. And some other things, you know, uh, self-help, health and wellness podcasts have gone up. A few other things have gone down as well. Uh, but essentially the snow globe has been shaken up and, and our, our behaviors are settling down a little bit, I think. And there's definitely a thirst for more information about uh, the current situation with the virus and, uh, and, and news, but also just taking care of ourselves.
1: And what about, let's see, you've got some new shows that you've launched, Gina, uh, that I think are getting some interesting results. Can you talk about Wow in the World? What, the, what is that?
2: Yeah, so Guy Raz produces a show for children, which is STEM-related topics, and it's really a, it's a show for the entire family, and so he has this podcast doing um, also daily and uh, live shows, and it's something the whole family can Uh, enjoy. And that audience has gone up by 50% overnight. And I've had a few anecdotal conversations where um, clients and agency folks will say, hey, that wow in the world, thank God. (laughs) It's the only thing I can stand that my kids listen to and we can all enjoy it together. So that's been wonderful.
1: Uh, and another just another thing to to lean in on is what we've seen with our friends in Hollywood is that uh, production has largely ground to a halt with movies and scripted television. We're seeing uh, you know uh, talk shows with the uh, hosts doing things from their living rooms. Um, that doesn't affect audio in nearly the same way. Uh, and so production continues. Uh, and I think largely the caliber of production is continuing ac- across the audio landscape, not j- always with NPR, of course, but not just with NPR. So another another thing for marketers to bear in mind uh, and in their agencies as they're looking for for things around people with whom to partner and around which to advertise. Um, let me uh, let me see. Let's go. Let me ask you again. Um, for you were talking, Gina. I think it's worth hammering home that you have two different. Uh, largely two different responses to coronavirus from your, your partners. One is, get me in there. Uh, you know, I want to be around the news. And we celebrate those people. Um, talk about entertainment opportunities for people who still want to support NPR, uh, who still want to support audio, but are uh, still skittish around that kind of exposure.
2: So NPR music is a very big part of NPR. We have the Tiny Desk concerts, Uh, We also have news desks that produce content around culture, books, entertainment programming. Um, As if you're a listener to NPR, you know we have 15 bureaus around the world that, that will serve up serendipitous stories of people and cultures. And we have hundreds of member stations that produce high quality community-based content beyond the news programming that's entertainment and allows people to hear voices from others around the country?
1: Um, That's a wonderful answer. So the the traditional last question, because we're running out of time, as we always are, there's never enough time, uh, is what are you two doing as individuals to stay sane, to stay connected to stay optimistic? Um, what I always say, and I'll say it again, because I think it always bears repeating is that this, this crisis is hitting the people who live alone the hardest. And so if you have friends who live alone, be they young or old, call them, um, you know, and, and just make, make real-time contact. Um, I try to do that, particularly if I'm walking, uh, if it, around my neighborhood, um, what are you two doing? Like what, what, what's, uh, what's giving you, uh, giving, keeping uplifting you and giving you hope,
0: uh, as we start
1: to wind down.
0: Well, I, uh, I miss, I miss sports, Brad. So I like to walk into our, I live in a a, a large uh, high rise apartment building in Boston. I like to walk into our hall and bet which of the three elevators will show up first. And, and this is sports center for me. Um, but otherwise, uh, really just using a lot more video than I used to. I've actually always worked from home, but now I'm using a lot more video than I used to and just, you know, saying hi to people and, and seeing their faces.
1: You might want to consider esports uh, as a uh, as an alternative for. I might that, start playing uh, esports, Fred. So, and Gina, what about you? You're, uh, is the thunderstorm relaxing in uh, where you live now? Is...
2: No, it's a little scary, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> I am teaching my daughter Sophia how to cook, and she's doing an incredible job. We're having a lot of fun with that at the end of every day, and I too, like Tom, am staying connected via video with our family and friends and coworkers, and it really does make a difference. So I think the video communication will be a trend forever. I think it's really changed everybody's attitudes towards it. So
1: we've all gotten really good at our it.
2: Our sponsors, Zoom, GoToMeeting, <laughs> great tools. Um,
1: well, that's a wonderful note. So. Uh, Gina Grubow, Tom Webster, thank you for joining us on IAB. There. We'll hope to have you come back real soon and stay safe when you're, uh, when you're, uh, when you're at home uh, working the way we all are. Um, so we're going to release uh, Gina and Tom with our thanks. Uh, let me do the credits. Uh, before I do that, uh, on Monday's show, I will be welcoming Samantha Ski. Uh, she is the CEO of She Media, which includes She Knows, Blog, Her, Stylecaster, and uh, Hollywood Life. We'll talk about uh, women in media and advertising during the coronavirus and beyond. IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our producers today uh, are Connor Healy, Joe Antz, John Ward, Twafika Mahinadin, and Haley Bloom. My name is Brad Behrens. I'm the Editor-in-Chief here at the IAB. Tune in again with us on Monday because it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday
2: then you know it's time to i be there have a great weekend thanks everybody